Danger. Slow down. I don't want you to miss this this morning. Um, you know, we did some old school songs, and I'm all about the new, but I'm all about the old too. And if we can catch what we were doing, we worshiped. We've come to worship. We've proclaimed. We've made a decision. We've come to worship. You remember the first song? I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord if I have the chance. Then we started singing about the blood and the blood of Jesus and what he, the price he paid and what we gained from that blood, cleansing, power, healing. Then we started lifting up the name of Jesus. Then you started shouting out the name of Jesus. But you know there is power when we come appropriately in worship and praise to the Lord. And then we finished by proclaiming that there's no one like our God. There's no one above you, no one beside you, no one, what did I leave out? No one like you. So many times we just go through worship and you know they're good songs, they do, they're scriptural, but you know what, this morning I feel like we were um, hitting the heartstrings of the Lord and his word and his kingdom. And uh, we need to acknowledge that and allow the Lord to change us. Not come in here and just go back the same way. I don't want to leave the same way I came. Because to be honest with you, I didn't come that great. Came with the wrong attitude, came with the wrong things going on, came in the wrong direction. I want to leave with the right attitude, the right direction. I want to leave filled up, not empty. Or not with more than what I came in with. Not with more stuff. I want to get free. Be still and know that I'm God. You know, I'm going to just be continuing kind of on this same direction of no gas in the tank. I don't know if anybody caught this. This is going to hopefully be funny to you. I hope it's not. Uh, I hope it's funny. But I'm up there trying to lead worship and my wife comes and gets my wallet. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, dear. Here. Now, I had my tithe check in there, but I just thought, what a funny picture. Isn't that just the way that goes? Here you go. Amen. Uh, all the ladies say amen. Amen. <laughs> no gas in the tank. Anybody running on empty? Anybody feel like you don't have any gas in the tank and what gas you do have, you're so covered up that you're just getting about two miles to the gallon? You know, you don't have to be a prophet to know that technology has made three things happen in our world. The world has gotten smaller the world's gotten more complex and the world has speeded up has sped up how's it gotten smaller we can get to the other side of the earth in a day it is the most amazing thing that you can hop in a plane and be on the other side of the world in a day we live such a faster lifestyle just running 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 so much faster than your parents did um, if you drive, this, this week, uh, Ruth Ann and I went to a 4-H camp in Crossville at a POW camp, an old POW camp. And uh, the drive that we took is out in the country. And man, let me tell you, it's slower out there. If you don't watch out, you'll run over a tractor or you'll run over a cow. You know, it's like all of a sudden, we're back, we're back a few years. 
Well, Pete and I went to a basketball tournament this weekend in Watertown. Never, I, I don't think I'd been to Watertown. I think I had gone from Nashville to McMinnville and taken that road before, but I sure did never pay attention to it. And we were just driving down the road, and I said, I said to Pete, I said, Pete, can you imagine what it was like 100 years ago when there were no roads, there was no power lines, there was nothing? He's like, what do you mean? Was it ever like that? Yeah. And I started talking to him about what would happen to the land if you stopped mowing the grass. The trees would start coming up. God has a plan for, for our land, where we live. He has a plan for where we are. Don't you think that if he has a plan for the land, he has a plan for you? He's even said it in his word. He didn't have to say it in his word about the land. Just leave the land alone. It will do its thing. Leave the animals alone. They'll do their thing. We're the ones that get off track. Why? Because we've been given a free will. We've been given a choice, and he desires us to choose him. But you know what? We were literally going down the road at 55, 60 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone and just about ran over a tractor. Didn't see it, couldn't compute quick enough, and just started talking to Pete about the speed of the, the way we live. Just running, running, running. I read the other day that frozen orange juice sales are declining because people don't wait for it to thaw. So now we buy prepackaged orange juice. We do. But I remember the day when you take the can and dump it and kind of like making a Kool-Aid. I don't remember the last time we did that. Now, we do make a fruit tea that you use Five Alive that comes in one of those little frozen things. But anybody remember making orange juice? We're in too big of a hurry. We'll pay four times as much to have it now and have less. Pay more and have less. Isn't that brilliant? You know, when you get out in the highway, you find out pretty quickly that everybody is either A, in a hurry, or B, multitasking. Isn't it amazing what you see when people drive down the highway? Now, I don't do this very often, but let's do this just for a second. Shout out what you've seen people doing in their car, driving down the road. Reading. Reading. Makeup, cell phones. Playing what? A flute <laughs> playing while driving, sleeping. sleeping while driving, making out. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. I've never done that. <laughs> Those were the days, weren't they? <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. You ever, seen, you ever seen somebody shave? Reading their newspaper? Painting fingernails? Leave my mom out of it. <laughs> Do you get the point? We're trying to save so much time. I read this from the USA Today a few years ago that said people are so souped up, they're stressed out, they're overscheduled. In this brave new world, boundaries between work and family are disappearing. Everybody is mobile and every moment is scheduled. The daycare, the school, after school activities, and 10 to 12 hour days. Have you ever drove around town or in the country and seen people sitting out on their porch just sitting there? Anybody remember those days? 
again, around Allgood, when we go to the baseball fields, I'm going to keep including my kids. My son, we see this one family always sitting out there every single night. He's like, what are they doing? Didn't they solve the world's problems yesterday? You know, we just don't get it. That's what you do. And you know what? You get to know each other. That's why you sit around a, a family table and eat and shut your stuff off. One of the hardest things for me to do is to turn the TV off. But you know what? The second the TV comes off, my focus turns to the family. And I've noticed that if the TV's on, my son's picked that up. Doesn't matter if it's the dumbest commercial infomercial about hair loss for him. He's not worried about hair loss, but he'll watch it. It's better than what's going on over here. No, it's not. Shut it off and turn your head. Let's sit around, let's sit outside under a tree for a little bit. See what's really going on in your life. You know, even right now, anthropologists are studying what our lifestyle will have, what effect it'll have on us long term. The Bible tells us that hurry and worry and scurry and, and having dramatic, will have net, d- d- dramatic negative effect, effects on our lifestyle. Let's look at these just for a second. Effects of a hurried lifestyle. Number one, this is just what we just came out of last week. You feel more stress. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 3 says, Overwork makes for restless sleep. When you're always in a hurry, you get personal, your personal reserves get depleted, and you can't keep charging without recharging. You have to periodically slow down. There's nothing wrong with going fast every now and then, just not all the time. You go fast and you go slow. There's ebbs and flows. You go fast and slow. You just can't keep charging. Even the Energizer Bunny will run out. Let's go buy you some Energizer batteries and turn them on. Walk away. You'll come back and it'll be dead. I don't care what the commercial says. It will die. It causes stress in your life. But what else happens the effects of a hurried lifestyle? You lose your joy. Hmm. I did the things for cats. Today's the dogs. That is a dog. I don't know if you can tell. The second thing, the faster you go in life, the less time you have to enjoy it. You can't enjoy things at a fast pace. You've got to slow down. I don't know if you noticed, but if you ever fly or fly over the country or fly out of the country, how much do you enjoy the the land that you're flying over? When people say, look out your window and there's the Grand Canyon. Oh, That's neat. We're going at 500 miles an hour. You can't enjoy it. Or they say, look down there, there's whatever. Whatever you may see. How much enjoyment do you get at going at that speed? None. When you're going 70 miles an hour down the road and you you see the exit that says Watertown, how much do you enjoy Watertown? Never. I didn't even really even know it was there. Never really computed. Just remembered the name. Going at that fast of a pace, I can't enjoy it. When we start slowing down, how can you really enjoy a place? Get out and walk. Get out of the car. Walk around. Even Cades Cove and that sort of thing when you drive, it's not the same as driving through it as it is walking through it. Walking a trail and riding in a trail 
you still get more enjoyment when you stop and walk. Are you all with me? You stop and you literally smell the roses. Because we see more details. You cannot enjoy something fast. Enjoyment comes slow. If your life is at constant pressure, fast, 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 you're not going to enjoy anything. You may think you are, but you're not really because you're missing the details. And third, I want you to catch this, you become less productive. I am less productive when I go fast. You have to have slow times in your life. And every creative person knows this. It's the law of diminishing returns that states that all productive processes, in all productive processes, adding one more factor of production while holding all the others constant will at some point yield lower per unit returns. Can you follow that? Now, I'm a business major, and we did things called quantitative analysis, and we would do studies of how a line would work. And if you, if you kept everything constant but increased one piece of that but didn't increase the rest, eventually you will become less productive. Are you with me? That's the law of diminishing returns. You must pace yourself. You go fast and you go slow. You cannot stay fast all the time, otherwise you will lose your creativity. You are just not that creative. Look at Job, verse, chapter 9, verse 25. My days go faster than a runner, and they fly away without seeing any joy. How many of you would say the last year has flown by, and it's just picking up speed? You start having kids, you hear parents say, man, enjoy it while you can. You can't, you can't think that straight. You've got young kids, your head's spinning. You're thinking, man, will this ever end? And then you blink your eyes, and it's gone. Your baby's out of diapers. They're in school. They're getting out of school. They're driving. They're becoming adults. Where did it go? We didn't slow down. Elizabeth writes something on our uh, whiteboard, our chalkboard, that says, enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. I lose my joy. I get less productive. I saw a bumper sticker the other day that says, the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. That's a biblical principle. Proverbs 21, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run, but hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Does that not just work backwards of what you think? Not that careful planning puts you ahead, but that hurrying puts you behind. How many of you have ever found that when you hurry, you make more mistakes and you have to redo? Where if you just slow down, get it right the first time, you've just saved your time. I know teachers will tell you that. You get in a hurry, you make mistakes, slow down and get it right the first time. Think. Let your brain work for a minute. Getting done first is not always good. I know a teacher that would always reward the, the student that would get done first with everything correct. You know, for my mind, I want to be first. I don't care how, how it winds up, I just want to be first. But when she put it, the reward comes to those that get them all right in his first you know what my thinking had to change first I need to learn to get them all right 
then I need to learn to get them all right and do it quicker. That's what the teacher's after. What is that? That's more productive. That's more efficient. I don't think she was teaching the wrong thing by making us rush. She was teaching us, get it right, and then learn to do it quicker. That's good. This law of diminishing returns, you've got to pace yourself. You're actually less productive if you're going, going, going all the time. You have to have breaks. You have to slow down. And then finally, effects of a hurried lifestyle. You can't hear God. If you're moving at a fast pace all the time, you don't know God because because you don't know God in a hurry. You get to know God when you slow down, when you be quiet, when you become still. This is my main verse. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. When you're not still, all your circuits are busy. You've got God on call waiting. Just hang on, God. Got these other things to do. Just hang on right there for me. I'll be back to you. Hang on. Your circuits are on overload. You can't hear God because you're too busy and there's too much noise in your life. And you know what? This scripture, the first half goes with the second half. Be still and know that I'm God. If you're not still, you will never get to know God. The only way you get to know God is by being still, by seeking Him, by slowing down. You have to have times of quiet, solitude, and stillness in your life. I'm going to try real hard to share with you some strategies for slowing down your lifestyle to a more rational, rational, reasonable human pace. And let me tell you, my wife and I would just tell you, we don't have this all together. Those of you that see us at school or see us at work, we run at a very, very fast pace. And we're, we're working on spending time with each other as we speak, slowing down, taking time with one another. It is hard. It's not easy. It's hard, and it takes tremendous sacrifice. It comes at a cost. We do not have it together. We do not have it all together. We're trying just like you. These rational, rational, reasonable human pace that things are, that actually these, these, I'm having a hard time getting the words out this morning, but these principles, these strategies that I'm going to show you are going to be counter-cultural, meaning it is going to go against worldly culture. We continue to go the world's way, we will just be completely strung out, We'll leave family behind, not care about family, hope that the government and the school system and everyone else takes care of our family. That's the world's way. We're going to do things a little bit backwards to the world. I'm going to give you five counterculture values or strategies. Today we're just going to look at one and then I'm going to close. They're the exact opposite of what our culture teaches. If you do these things, you will find your joy going up and your stress going down. If you are serious about slowing your life down to a more humane or biblical pace, you're going to have to start with these principles. Number one, counterculture changes. It's going to get hard before it gets easy. If you all know me at all, we always kind of 
undertake this process. You know, why? Because the Lord requires change. Change is not always easy. You know what? I don't mind change when I'm making the change, but when someone else is making the change, I have a hard time changing. Did you say that's accurate? When I'm making the change, man, everybody get on board and let's go. What's your problem? Get on. Get on board. But when someone else is making the change, rebellion, all kinds of stuff wants to come out. All this nasty stuff. Does it happen to you at work? Does it happen to you at home? Happen to you at church? Change. Eh, no, no change. Learn contentment. Say, I don't mind change. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that for a second. You don't start with your schedule. You start in your heart. Paul says this about contentment. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Woo! I'm not there. Notice the verse says, I've learned. Everybody say learned. Learned. You are not by nature a content person. Neither am I. I'm discontent. What do you mean? My nature wants everything to be different. I want it to be better. I want it to be something other than it is right now. But if you're going to slow down your life, you've got to learn contentment. And it is learned. We as adults, as kids, we have to learn. If you allow yourself, you will learn every day. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says, There is great gain in godliness. There is great gain in godliness with contentment. In other words, and I've somehow left the words off. It says there's great gain in godliness with contentment. In other words, it's a valuable thing if you're godly and contented at the same time. Please don't think that the scripture doesn't say contentment. It does. I've just copied and pasted pasted incorrectly for we brought this is verse 7 for we brought nothing into the world and we can't take anything out of the world verse 8 so if we have food and clothing we will be content with that what's he saying he's saying life is not about things I didn't have things before I was born I'm not gonna have things after I, I die so things yeah it's good to have them I can use them but life is not all about things, so I've got to be content with what I've got. Let me explain to you what contentment is not. Contentment is not having no ambition. We need to have ambition. You need to have ambition. You ought to want to make the most of your life. You want to make the most of what God has given you. It says to have godly ambition. So I'm not saying that you're not to have goals, you're not to have dreams, you're not to have desires, you're not to have plans, you're not to have ambitions. No, that's not contentment. You should have dreams and goals and plans. Contentment is this, I don't need more to be happy. I'm not waiting for more in order to be happy. If I would just have this, then I'll be happy. If I just have this job, if I just have this spouse... If I just had this house or this car. If you're not happy with these circumstances, you're not going to be happy with the other ones. There will always be something wrong. We live on a broken planet and nothing is perfect. 
You need to learn to be happy in spite of situations. Commitment is I don't have to have more in order to be happy right now. When you learn that, you're on the road to slowing down your life. Because you have to start with this motivation. What drives you to always push for more, to go faster, to have more money in the bank account, to achieve higher things in your career? Why do you have to have more activities in your schedule? We're going to start next week looking at three major myths of our culture that will help answer that. But I want you to catch one scripture as I close. And this is it right here. It says in scripture, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It is a decision. Happiness is a decision. Getting upset is a decision. If someone says something to you that's offensive, you have a chance to choose how you react to it. Are you going to be mad? Are you going to be offended? Are you going to forgive? Are you going to let it bounce off? Are you going to deal with it? Are you going to walk away and resent it, resent it forever? It's your choice. Being happy is a choice. If you don't choose to, you will fall into a pit of despair and depression. If you choose not to choose, you will fall into one, and it's normally not happiness. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What does that mean? It doesn't matter whether you feel like rejoicing or not. Rejoice. Start your day putting on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What happens when you start to praise, when you start to rejoice, when you get up and say, you know what, regardless of what happens today, I'm not going to lose my joy. We have things in our family. We have things in our life where people try to steal our joy. Maybe not even intentional. But due to circumstances, we get put, you know, Elizabeth and I get put into situations that want to steal our joy. And you know what? There are some situations that are harder for her to grab hold of. And I'm, a, I'm the husband, I'm the man, and I'm insensitive. And I'm like, man, it's stealing your joy. Well, that's easy to say when you're not the one going through it. You know what? You're right. But when, the, when Satan is trying to steal your joy, you have to make a decision and you have to start walking and you have to start talking to yourself or Satan will talk to you. He'll talk for you. Rejoice in the Lord. I'm not about to let what a family member or a co-worker or somebody out here in my life ruin my day and my family's day. They don't even know what they've done. Do I still need to handle what I'm walking through? Yes, I do. But I can't let it ruin my life. You can. But I don't want to. And that lies in my decision and my walk with Christ. Not theirs. Can I tell you? You can't control them. The Lord's not given you... The fruit of the Spirit, the, the gifts of the Spirit are not for you to have self-control for someone else. It's for you to have self-control. The Lord gives you the ability to handle the things that you're facing. Not handle the things that someone else is facing. You can't handle it for them. This counterculture change, learning to be content, 
is totally a decision. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't change the bank account. It doesn't change the stress at, the, at your work. It's a choice. I'm going to choose to say, Lord, you know where I am. You've placed me here. It may not be where I want to end. It may not be what I'm driving for. But I'm going to be content and I'm going to have joy. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. What does that mean when you lose the joy? You've got no strength. Amen? Are you all with me? As little as I've given you today, make a choice when you get up in the morning and say, today is going to be a good day. Why? Because today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because I had something to share. Good. <laughs> we never do plan this, but um, I, I just want to share with y'all that um, the Lord had given me a dream, a, I don't know, three weeks ago, I can't remember, but um, in the dream, it was a war zone. And, um, and it, was, it was bad. I don't, I don't ever have dreams like that where I just have kind of violent dreams. But um, in it, it was um, everything in a war, a battle, um, you know, grenades and, you know, things blowing up and, and guns and, you know, firing. And, 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 and the family was there and, and things about our life was there, like people in our life. And, and when I woke up from that dream, and, you know, you know, when you have dreams, it's kind of like, well, Lord, is this, what is this? Is this just, did I watch something on TV? And we don't watch stuff like that, you know? I, I, I just, I just don't. But after the Lord really started working in me, what, what I saw is that scripture in Ephesians that talks about um, warfare, and um, that is that we don't fight against people made of flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. That's Ephesians 6, um, verse 12. But, you know, what I think is that as I really began to discern that, that dream, and as the Lord was showing me that, is that, you know what, uh, life... You know, what we're walking through is a, is a, is a war zone. And, and you know what? He and I and the family, we're on the same team. It's not us against each other. And I want to encourage you right now that it's not husband and wife at war. It's we're on the same team. You know, we're on the same team. And if you ever watch sports and you know, you know, my son's on a team. It's not about how great he can do because his whole team has to do well and they have to be in unity together. And so as he's sitting here talking about being content, and, and I don't know if any of you guys have heard that song, um, Dancing in the Minefield. Um, have you heard it? It comes on Christian radio and it's the sweetest little song. And it talks about how, you know, 15 years ago we, we got married and we said our I, I do's and you know, how we were so in love. And then we went dancing in the minefields. And, and so I think, I know, I know it's a decision. And so I want to encourage you today, it's a decision to be content. And it's a decision to decide, you know what, we're on the same team. And I'm going to be content. 
and I'm going to be at peace in the name of Jesus. And my children know this. We talk all the time about, you know what, we're going to have peace. We're going to have peace in our house. It's a decision. And it's a decision to realize, you know what, what the world brings is a war. What the world brings, how am I doing talking with my hand under your arm? What the world brings is a war. And it's, it's not of this world, but it's of the unseen world. But we got to be together. And we got to build each other up. And we got to decide not to step on those minefields. It's a decision. It's a decision. It's a decision to seek peace and to be content. So I just want to encourage you today, wherever you are, decide to seek God in it. Decide to seek his kingdom and decide to team up with your spouse and with your family and be on the same page, be on the same team. So let's, yeah, let's pray for families. So let's just close your eyes right now. And um, just nobody looking around, but if you feel like maybe, man, I feel like I've been in that war zone. I feel like I've been in that place. And I just want to stop. I just want to stop this morning, and I just want to be at rest and at peace and be content in Jesus' name. And if that's you, and if you can relate to that, just raise up your hand and just show the Lord, and nobody look around, but you know what? I want peace in Jesus' name. I want peace in my family in Jesus' name. And I see those hands, and I thank you. And you know what? God sees those hands. And you know what? That's your act of faith today, that hand stretched out. Yes, you're right. stretching your hand up to the Lord today, and you're saying, you know what? Come on, Lord. Yes. Come on, Lord. And, yes. and, and, and be, 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 be still, Storm, in yes. the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that yes. you're making a way in these households, Lord. Amen. You're yes. making a way in these relationships, Lord, where it looks like there's no other way, Lord. But you're coming in today, Lord, and you're saying, stop. Yes. Be still. Storm, be still in the name of Jesus. Be Be at peace. The war's stopping in Jesus' name. It's stopping. And I thank you, Lord God, right now that you're uniting the husbands and the wives, Lord. That you're uniting the children in Jesus' name. You're uniting siblings in Jesus' name. You're uniting us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord God, that we're at peace. And I thank you, Lord God, that you give us wisdom and discernment, Lord, and that we don't step on those landmines, Lord. We're not going to step on them in Jesus' name. We're going to be able to walk through our arms linked, and Lord God, with strong families. And I thank you right now, Lord, we're saying no to divorce. Yes, We're saying no to divorce right now in Jesus' name. We're saying no. Yes. And we're saying yes to strong marriages, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be here and you need prayer. We want to give you a time for prayer over healing, over your marriage, over your finances. We all stand up. We're going to sing. And we've still got a couple things we need to do this morning. But we want to take some a moment to pray with you. Those that are ministering, we all come on forward. Don't sit in your pew hurting. Step out. Step out in faith and say, I can't handle what I'm doing. I need help. Come to the Lord this morning. Scripture says that we've just learned, come to Jesus. He says, come to me, all who are heavy and burdened, and I will give you rest. Will you step out this morning? Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. Step out this morning. Let us pray with you as we sing.